and welcome to Sanctuary First, a weekly Friday night weekly review. And uh, it's great to be with you. Uh, it, although we're feeling, some of us are feeling a bit hemmed in and locked in under our new regulations here in the central belt of Scotland. Uh, but apart from that, we're ready to go. We're ready to be released into the internet where we are not under lockdown. So a great welcome to you. Thank you for joining us tonight. And uh, we want to welcome our panel, our usual panel with us. As usual, we've got uh, Do Dr. James Jimison with us. Ian's with us. Hi, everybody. Hello. You're looking very smart tonight, Ian. Thank you, my man. Yeah, cool. <laughs> and uh, welcome to Laura Dagen, who's joining us tonight again. Hello. And uh, to James Cuthcart. Hello. Lovely to be here. And it's great also having Pete Phillips with us, our writer for the week. So we're looking forward to discussing some of your pearls of wisdom uh, this week, uh, Pete. So hi, and on our theme tonight is keeping, we're following on, keeping faith alive. How do we keep faith alive in a, in a culture where there's just so much uh, challenging in so many different areas? How do we live out Christian faith in today's culture, in today's world? And how do we do it in such a way that it's winsome and uh, it seems authentic and real for people. So that's where we're coming. That's the kind of conversation we're going to be looking at and reflecting upon this evening. So there you go. And um, what's your feelings about things this week? How are you feeling about the, the way the week has gone? Some of the stuff that's gone up in the site? Or how are you feeling about uh, being locked in for the next three weeks? Hi, it's... Um... I, 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 I think um, I think I can take three weeks. <laughs> I, I think I think knowing that that's you know that it'll be three weeks that 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 for me I've got a number you know and hopefully then that after that we we can be let loose again. Um, and it's uh, and I think we learned so much from the last time you know, about keeping our spirits up and engaging with each other. And, you know, I, th I think it's um, it's not quite as daunting as what it was the last time. Pete, though, you've, you've been, um, you, you, are you in, you're in lockdown mm -hmm. just now and you have been for a few weeks, is that right? Yeah, so we went from kind of tier two to tier three, the English one, and then the chaos that is the contemporary lockdown um which is completely different from the old lockdown in in practice because nobody's really keeping to it um oh. and it's just chaotic um but i think but it's also kind of winter lockdown rather than a spring lockdown and and i think I, I i'm coping with it you know i'm not coping with it really because kind of like you know back in march when we kind of did this you could kind of go out in the garden and you know it's really it's like summer and you, know, you could go and have your lunch out in the sun and everything, but but it's freezing cold here. Um, you know, I was putting it joking before we started about Winterfell and everything. And you look, you guys, I've been Falkirk being Winterfell. It's cold enough here. You know, the ice is here, and and you know, it's raining and windy and everything. And so so it's kind of that really pulls you down with a kind of you know season affected disorder and stuff like that almost. And and kind of you, you just want to kind of say let's get on and light the fire and get on with things you know we want to put the christmas decorations up to brighten the place up um and and it's too early it's not even you know it's 
not even the end of November yet. So I'm moaning, so I'll stop moaning. Do you know one of the things that we're going to be offering on Sanctuary First is look out for Martha's broadcast in the next couple of weeks because we're going to be giving people the challenge to make their Christmas tree. Yay! Uh, Christmas tree is quite an interesting thing. So we're wanting people to then get a nice little tree. You can, ha- If you want your fancy, you know, gaudy coloured light tree, keep heart that as well, but get a nice little tree somewhere. And the, the, the Christmas tree is all out, came out of the Lutheran church in the 50s. And it's all about uh, using it as a symbol, as a, a Christian symbol for <clears throat> um, what, what Christmas is all about. And mm. it's got to be an evergreen tree. So it's got to be a real tree to speak of everlasting life. Mm. And our, our roots, I love this because it says our roots are in eternity, but our fruit is in the present. So the, the green tree is a symbol of the fruit that's here, but our roots are in eternity, it's eternal. And so it's got to be an evergreen tree. And then what you do is you put white lights on it. Mm-hmm. You can't have gaudy lights on it, it's white lights. And everything you put on it has got mm-hmm. to be handmade. So you've got to start working now about for your, your monograms, Christian monograms, symbols or signs of what the Christian faith is about. But you've got to make them out of something that's white or gold. Mm. And do you know what? You can't buy anything to put on it. You've got to make it yourself. And do you know something else? You can't sell anything you're making to sell it to somebody else to put on their tree. It can't be commercialised. So the idea is it's got to be, it's it's your tree that speaks of your relationships. And also you can give stuff to Poco. So you could actually make a lovely gift of something, a symbol like a dove, or it could be a symbol of a a star. Or Mm -hmm. you could put, let's just think just now, what kind of symbols could people be making from the tree? where Where do you get your tree from in the first place? Because if it's got to be evergreen... You're supposed to dig it up from your garden. Well, you could get it up for your garden, or you could hang it up at your garden. You could put the stuff, or I see. It, like you could basically, you get your tree from. We get a tree from the scouts down the road, or wherever it is. Or go and you, you, you would, you probably have to buy your tree, and that's maybe the first. And I take it, okay, I get that. But might, or you could maybe you don't want to go into the forest and nick one because then you get. No. Could you go to the? Could you go to the local golf centre and dig one up? The golf club. <laughs> I don't want to be promoting people to break the law. <laughs> you're trying to you're trying to pull me in. You're trying to be like one of those Pharisees that tried to trip Jesus up when he was giving them a good illustration. <laughs> I've met you before, digging the holes, but I, there's a guy that was writing a, in, our, a, in our, our writings this week. In fact, today he was talking about digging holes. Yeah, yeah. Parables at Jesus. So, but we'll get back to that in a minute. So can I finish <laughs> off about the Christmas tree? So the idea is that the Christmas tree then is there, but idea churches and communities usually do it. We used to do it in the church in Bowness. And then... When it comes after Christmas, you strip the Christmas tree down and you take all the branches off it and you cut it and turn it into a cross and you keep the cross until the beginning of um, Lent. Then you bring the cross out and you place it in the church. And then on Easter, on, on Easter Saturday evening, you get 
folks to come and put flowers on the cross and then when people come into church on sun, Easter Sunday the, the Christmas tree is for it's got the cross on it it's become the resurrection cross I think one of the the lovely things about that Albert and coming off the back of what you were saying Pete about a winter lockdown it's this sense I think to get through this winter you know whether it's three weeks four weeks five weeks it's going to be a difficult time I think rediscovering a bit of sense of ritual you know and what people often refer to as hygge you know in the sense of the candles the Danish thing and getting cozy and stuff but I've been thinking a bit recently about this in terms of coffee so I've talked a bit about coffee in the last bit and about how I own it's like five or six different ways of making coffee and coffee can be done really quickly and you can just buy pre-ground coffee and you know what they're really good at grinding coffee there's no need for me to grind my own coffee but I sometimes do and it's a bit sore and it's a bit laborious but there's something about the process and smelling it and all the rest of it that adds to the ritual and I think you know, in terms of that Chris Montreal Albert and other things. And remember, Laura, back, uh, you made the suggestion when we were doing the stamping and the service that people could stamp uh, wrapping paper or stamp yeah. cards and that kind of thing. And I think this yeah. Christmas, given that everyone's going to be posting everything and it's all yeah. going to be very sort of remotely commercial and, and all the rest of it, we could really use mm. getting hands-on, I think, this year um, mm. and kind of using the, the candlelight um, or the LED light, whatever it is, your ring light, um, to yeah. to actually kind of rediscover time um, uh, in a different way. Yeah, a couple of things we were talking about the other day. There's um, because a lot of this is kind of internal things, um, but but how do we actually get the people in our street to get to know and to kind of see something of Christmas? And so a number of places have started these advent windows schemes, um, where where either one house has a different window every day. So you kind of, you know, use one of your front front windows of the front of your house and you kind of turn that into a stained glass window for the day. Yep. And wow. have a light on behind it. And then you change it for the next day. So people can kind of see you when they're taking their dogs out for a walk and everything. How the ad, It's like an advent, advent calendar. Um, and then there's also the, um, the doorsteps carols thing that's happening. Have you seen that? Yeah. Um, this is a whole kind of movement down here now. It's starting Shropshire and then it's going around about 16th of December, everyone 8.30 in the evening going out and the radios are going to play, the radio stations are going to play Christmas carols so you can kind of, everybody keep in tune and everyone comes and stands on the doorstep and sings carols to the street. Which are sounds fantastic. Are you allowed, you need to be social distancing all the same. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah, that, you just come out on your household doorstep and oh, kind right. of sing. Um, so you should be able to be kind of two, two metres apart for that. Wow. So, I think that's really beautiful to us and it just, it does give that real sense of, you know, community, isn't it? And that we're mm-hmm. together and uh, and there's just a warmth about it, you know, just this warm energy. Mm-hmm. We were talking about also, um, J- James, you were talking about reverse, the reverse advent calendar. Yes, yes, I saw online this idea where you instead of um, getting something each day you give something each day and, and the idea of it being a really tactile thing particularly for uh, families to get involved you know because often the idea of donating or giving stuff can be quite abstract if you're young but the idea of making it um, this real again it's a ritual you're, you're making what could be done in, in a simpler way more complicated with more intention and um, and more deliberate action and behavior and so um so you can find them anywhere like on pinterest or mm-hmm. or that kind of thing where you would say like it has to be tea on the first day and shampoo the second day and that kind of thing and then at the end of the advent you donate the um all the things wow that's good 
That's good, isn't it? Yeah. But yes, I think it's it's. I think it would be good for this Christmas to be as tactile as possible, uh, even though we're going to be at arm's length and uh, not able to be in contact so much with one another. We can still get hands on. I think. What do you feel about all this, Ian? What's your kind of reflections on this discussion so far? Well, we can't hear you, Ian. Can't hear you. Ian. That's a rare, isn't it? Uh -huh. uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, hang on he's building the tension he's building the tension it's gonna be good oh wait a minute how's that hey. <laughs> we were fear ian we were fear well i know i know uh <laughs> what's the zoom thing i can't see myself speak and that's a terrible thing <laughs> And anyway, enlighten us, enlighten us. Ian. I was going to say, I know I can, and it's a massive disappointment. <laughs> now I feel what everybody else feels week on week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, I guess what I was going to say was, you know, I'd, it'd be not a bad idea not to sing in people's faces. That that would probably be a good plan. Um, but actually, uh, you know, what's been said is true. Um, I, you know, about it, it, it's good to think of building a tree of giving. Um, you know, it's good, and and it's also that 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 lovely idea of taking it from, you know, the birth of Christ and 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 building that up, and then you know taking it right through to the crucifixion and and beyond. I think that's an amazing thing, a beautiful image, and I think if people can make that real in their own lives, that's wonderful. Uh, but I was reflecting on the Christmas tree that I would get if I went into the back garden tonight because I don't know what hurricane has arrived in Largs tonight, but I think my Christmas tree would be a twig <laughs> because all the trees are just about blown over sideways. <laughs> a stiff twig. A festive twig. <laughs> I, I quite like uh, picking up what, what Pete was getting us to think about how we make faith alive and keep the faith alive in the midst of a lockdown. And Pete was suggesting this idea that people are doing stuff with the, on their windows and, you know, giving people an opportunity to then speak about something when they see it going by. Oh, I see that's what you're doing uh, when you're out walking the dog or you're doing something and get into a conversation. Uh, this idea of how do we keep the faith, faith alive, sharing faith, in a way that say that, that is real for people but doesn't seem to be threatening is, is such an important I think way I think for us to explore faith sharing in today's world. But perhaps what it is though Albert is just being true to yourself and seeing what it is you're all about. Um, mm -hmm. And it, that's actually a, that I mean that sounds quite glib but it's not glib. Um, it's quite difficult to do um, when you know the people in your workplace are, are maybe very much uh, against the idea of religion, uh, you know, or if all your mates are atheists, or if you work um, in the secular music industry, or whatever, but you have a faith, a deep faith, um, is to stand up and be counted and to say, that, do you know what, actually, this is what I believe. This is. But, do you know, Ian, I think you're right there. And I think in today's culture, I think there's also a willingness for people to accept if you say this is what I believe then they're willing to say well that's maybe that's what you believe I don't believe that but at least you know if people respect you they will, will they will listen and 
he, they may not agree with you, but true true working colleagues are, are not going to try and put you down, but they may even begin to listen and, and, and think more about what you're talking about. No, they're not, and I think the thing about the respect is quite important because the, what makes people respect a person is how they actually are in themselves. And to be the kind of as close, to, I mean, we're never going to be as crazy like as Christ, you know, that's never going to happen for all of us. But if you can be true, as true as you can be to what you believe and, and put that forward into the world, at least you're being true to yourself and what is deep to you. And that's where respect comes comes from. Because the thing about it is that people can spot a fake. I know. If you're you absolutely right, Ian. And you know, it's if you try to be good at what you do, if you're in a work colleague, be a good work colleague. You know, eh, be the one that, that does the wee, goes a wee bit extra, does don't you don't leave you don't leave early just for the sake of it, but you do that wee bit you do that wee bit extra. Or you, 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 not to gain brownie points, but just to be a good member of the team. The, 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 there was a thing I was on once, and it was a kind of, um, I think it might even have been Scripture Union back in those days. And um, I was on a camp, and they had this simple wee song, and it was all about doing things for the glory of God, right? And it was really simple stuff. It was like doing the dishes for the glory of God. Do you know what I mean? It was like baking a cake for the glory of God. And I kind of have come to think that there was a lot of wisdom in that wee tune. In fact, when we do the things that we do, no matter how mundane and, you know, maybe boring it is, when you're doing that because you're thinking, do you know what, this is my sacrifice. Because quite frankly, a lot of the time, I'd rather be in the studio playing my guitar and not being a doctor. But do you know, I'm called to be a doctor and that's just how it is. So I just need to accept that and do that for the glory of God in the same way that I would do in the studio. And that to me makes it worthwhile. Going the extra mile, you know, answering that email, maybe popping in early to work, whatever it is. When I think of that and I and I dedicate that and I think, no, this is for the glory of God. This is because... I was chosen, you know what I mean? I was built for this. Mm -hmm. I need to do this. That's... I think this links in um, really well with uh, Pete, what you wrote on uh, Wednesday, I think, about keeping, not just keeping the faith, but keeping the faith alive. Um, uh, and uh, that was about James 2. And, uh, and you wrote the prayer, which concluded with these lines, uh, release our hands, our finances, our tongues, our hearts, that we might be whole Christians serving the whole gospel to all. And I think, sadly, sometimes we're partial Christians <laughs> offering wee bits of the gospel here and there. Um, but it is a really, and I you know, encourage people to go back to, um, to that prayer and read it again, because it has a real kind of manifesto quality to it. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of what you're saying, Ian, it's that sense of it running through everything you know and, and and how you approach stuff and and this kind of much more holistic sense rather than i think it's so easy to compartmentalize things isn't it um rather than actually let it infuse your whole being i mean definitely james you know i i often, <coughs> often said you know when i've been talking about things of faith with people of faith and I, i've said it to albert many times that you know what it's all about the cross right everything it's all about that that moment in time. That's a fixed point. 
So it's all about that. You know, it doesn't, you can dress it up, you can dress it down, you can, you can go into all sorts of flights of fancy and hyperbole, but when it comes right down to it, it's about the cross. And once you get that into your napper, it becomes an awful lot easier to do in real life, I think, anyway. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think I think that's that is part of what I was trying to say in in a couple of these, is that that I think sometimes we're too theological. Now, I'm a theologian, so it kind of it shouldn't be saying that at all. Um, but the but I'm just kind of I was really challenged by the James reading that we had, and then also Micah six eight, you know about you know what are we supposed to do and he kind of goes through all these kind of ritual activities mm. that we should be doing and then he says he's showing you a man what is good uh, to act justly love mercy and walk humbly with your god yeah and there's no kind of stuff in there about kind of doing this in, in the right kind of way with the right kind of words or anything it's simply live out the blooming thing you know live it out day by day in every single moment that you are and that's kind of that's also what james is then saying and, you know, whether James is written before Paul and then Paul comes in and kind of Christianizes James Judaism, um, you know, or, or whatever, however it is, you, you then get this kind of sense that you've got to then put creeds and covenants and everything on top of all of this. And, and, and we get kind of so messed up. But, but the, keeping the faith alive is actually making it part of our everyday lives. You know, the, the, when we get up in the morning, when we go out to work, when we come up, you know, have our lunch, when we do whatever we do in our day, when we come home at night, when we set ourselves down to sleep, every single moment of our days, um, being kind of wrapped up in doing the faith, um, rather than just kind of waiting for the kind of Sunday morning theology kind of thing. But do you know, I think that's when people believe it as well. You know, they see it being enacted in our lives. You know, you don't need to be, you don't need to be talking about, you know, your faith because people can see it and they, they know that it's authentic and, you know, they, they want some of that. And then, you know, they'll ask you about it because they see that it's real then. You know, it's not somebody, you know, saying on a Sunday, oh, this is what you have to do. It's like, no, no, they're actually putting it into action. And because that's what people want. I think people people can understand, you know, practical examples <laughs> and, you know, they can understand that and they're like, right, well, well, I, I could do that too instead mm-hmm. of, you know, all the all the theology. And, and it is important, you know, once you get into it. But I think initially it's like people want to see practical examples and they yeah. can then, you know. But, well, you know, I, I feel sometimes that ritual kind of... Uh, to use a big word, obfuscates the truth. Do you know ritual's easy? Give 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 a man a maze and teach him how to walk it, and he'll eventually get there because it's predictable. Yeah, it's a mm-hmm. predictable thing. And and if you look at a catechism, if you look at a you know how people have kind of described faith you know in in a way if you do this and you do that and you do that you know you'll reach the kingdom of heaven or if you give this amount of your salary you're going to get into heaven or you're going to be blessed or any of this stuff but it's all nonsense Mm. at the end of the day the gospel is simple jesus certainly from my reading of the gospels jesus gave some quite simple messages do you know what i mean very practical stuff just do this that's it. Just do it. 
Um, and 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 I, and I do think we sometimes get and and respect to yourself, Pete. You know, I think. I actually think theology is fascinating, but I think it's fascinating from the point of view of somebody who sees it as a very simple um, life commitment type thing. It's how you are orientated. Um, I think what theology does is that for those who have ears to hear, to use the code of the Bible, um, it makes it richer and leads to deeper understanding and perhaps something more miraculous in your life. So I'm not mm. saying there's no place for it. I think there's enormous place for it, in fact, for believers who might want to explore things in a more deeper and more fundamental way. But, but you see, but what we're all talking about is theology, because theology is knowledge of God. And it's your knowledge of God that works out where you are, the life, and your theology. Theology has got to be practice. Practice. If it's not practice, it's not theology. Because knowledge of God is going to change the way we live. And it's God's work in our lives, the presence of the Holy Spirit, who brings about the communion of God's people and, and reaches something wonderful in our lives. So all of this is so important. And the practicality of understanding that, that it's like that prayer that you, that the lovely introduction you gave us at the beginning of the week, Pete, for me, was when you were talking about have mercy, you know, and just that prayer, Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of God have mercy on me, a sinner. And something, do you want to say a wee bit, do you want to give people a wee bit into the background in that prayer, where that comes from? I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure where it's going. It's, it's a very, very traditional prayer from the Catholic tradition and everything. And the whole idea is that you kind of meditate on that in the morning, that you kind of focus upon this sense of um, uh, about your own identity. Um, because it kind of comes from the tradition of the, you know, the Bible story, isn't there, where the Pharisee and the um, the widow, kind of, the Pharisee and the tax collector are there. And in the, the tax collector, yeah. 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 And, um, you know, it, you kind of look at these people and say, you know, who are they? But you need to look on yourself and say, you know, who am I? And and what's my identity before God? Uh, and my identity before God is, is of somebody, you know, who needs God's mercy day by day. The very first, first part of the day um, needs to be kind of started in that kind of way. And so, so kind of, you know, I know um, the, the, the rituals that, that James is kind of talking about are really, really important because they kind of earth our practice, earth our being um, in, in God stuff. Um, and, you know, um, I've never really been kind of, I'm really kind of ambivalent about ritual because I'm a Methodist and, you know, Protestant tradition and, and all of that lot and evangelical and everything. But, but, but so often the kind of sense that um, th these kind of ancient prayers, these ancient ways of doing things are there for a reason. Um, you know, we, we were up in a couple of weeks ago, we had a few, few days away before the, the lockdown, we went up to Lindisfarne um, and North Northumberland, you know, with, with around Cuthbert and Aidan's memories and everything. And the sense that the, that the kind of their, their choice to go to Lindisfarne wasn't a kind of running away from, it was a running to the local people uh, and a running in, into a space where they could continue their ritual behaviour, but actually live out their faith day by day in full sight of Oswald and Bamba, you know? And so the king who reigned from, you know, Hull all the way up to Edinburgh, neither of which existed at the time, um, kind of was, was there and seeing these annoying monks 
um, who kept up their rituals and everything, but lived out that passionate sense of, of God, God being both in the ritual and also in the lived out theology and everything. See, I think what you're saying reminds me of what James was talking about. Our, our James, James Cathcart, was talking about uh, on Sunday when he was talking about rich, he was talking about prayer, the ritual of prayer of the shopping trolley. And he was saying, you know, what James was saying there, it's interesting. He was saying, you know, that sometimes it's okay to pray the, 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 the rote prayer because if that's all you can do at that point, it's at least keeping you on the guidelines. Mm-hmm. And if you as a doc, Ian, what I'm thinking about is sometimes the ritual is like you're saying to somebody who's learning to walk again, well, look, just use the Zimmer. Hang on to the Zimmer. And I know it's not exactly the right, but it will help you to keep up steady and it will help you to exercise. And, and the day will come, hopefully, where you'll not be always needing that Zimmer. But I, so I think ritual does have a place mm. and, and it's knowing how to use it. Uh, but the ritual points to something else. And I think that's the question we need to ask. The ritual is good. There is something behind that that but, is it's like the symbol pointing to something else, the reality that's there. Absolutely. But, I remember there's a, a quote from when I was at university, I think James K. Smith, um, theologian saying um, something about ritual being the process of aiming our hearts towards God. Um, and I think you're right, Albert, in terms of ritual has to be pointing somewhere. You know, if ritual has just become the empty gesture, then then it isn't doing anything. But but I think that that sense that you're training, that you're practicing, and it also kind of reminds us that our faith is physical, um, because I think that's one of the things with the challenge in Micah or James you know, the highlight there, Pete, is our faith actually is lived in our bodies. <laughs> we need to use our bodies. And sometimes ritual, I think, helps to remind us that it isn't just up here. Um, so, yeah. but I think I think sometimes, though, we can get ritual kind of mixed up with these grand buildings, sorry, over, you know, over my shoulder here, you know, during cathedral, as though kind of that's where ritual happens. And, you know, you have to be dressed up funny and sing Latin <laughs> songs and what have you in order to do it. And, and in fact, you know, what James and Micah and everybody is saying is that you just need to live it out. You need to live God's presence in everything you do. Uh, Hans van Balthazar, no, Ersteman Balthazar, sorry, one of the great uh, 20th century Catholic theologians, um, said, you know, that you can easily criticise Rome. You can always easily criticise the great, you know, um, the wealth and the, um, you know, the bureaucracy and the curia and all of this lot. He said the bits of Christianity that you'll find really hard to criticise is the small group meeting in a homestead around a hearth fire, yeah, who are studying the word of God together and seeking to live out their lives day by day, yeah? That's kind mm-hmm. of simple lived out faith of the common people is actually where Christianity shines rather than in these kind of, you know, palaces of men um, that we've built all over the place. I, I mean, one of the things I would say, though, is that um, there's also that... that that it, you know ritual can sometimes help us gain insight and if you don't know what you lack you don't know what you need mm. and if you don't know what you need you're not going to understand when you get it and sometimes i see ritual as a kind of roadmap ab- about exactly that it's about that 
you know, it's it's about that that novel that you read, or or that experience that you have that makes, or the film that you see, or the the song that you hear that makes you think about things in a different way, and it causes you to reflect on. Hang on a second. What what where where, where is what is it in me that I need? And then I think ritual can give us can give us give us. So that that so that. that... <laughs> That's scary. That's scary. <laughs> I think we've got two Ians. <laughs> That's one too much. Do you know, Ian, what you're saying links very nicely to get us thinking about the other thing text that Pete was talking about is as iron sharpens iron, that we need one another. But to inspire one another, you know, and I thought sharpening of our wits together as well. It's not sharpening to go to fight war, but sharpening for peace would be an interesting reflection. And it's interesting what you were talking about that. Does anyone else want to say anything about that one? Albert, to be honest, I'm not sure that that old adage of war about sharpening anything really in some respects rings true anymore. In fact, the wars have been fought in cyberspace. The wars have been fought between this intellectual person and that intellectual person. And I think that harmonises more with Christianity. I, I was going to say one thing about, about, about God and God revealing himself to us and God revealing himself through through ritual, through uh, experience and, um, and through all of that. And I, I think, isn't it amazing that the more that we discover, the more that God reveals enough for us to understand and then enough for us to understand. It's a brilliant thing. You know, that whole thing about the, you know, quantum and then, you know, that there's always something beyond that and beyond that and beyond that. And that's God. God is the ultimate at the end of all that. But we never get more than our brains can just about comprehend. But they're never going to be good enough to fully comprehend. And I think what ritual does is it gives us this, it gives us a prism that we can understand to start to formulate deeper thoughts, I think. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. In that, um, in that as iron sharpens iron, um, whenever, you know, you see... You know, love is everywhere. Uh, when was the last time you encouraged someone to show their love to someone else in the church? How could we do that today? Let's be people who love loving and are known for our love for one another. And I have actually been thinking about this because I've been I've been reading a lot of uh, Paul's letters um, and the, the encouragement that are in, in Paul's letters and this raising up. And and I've been thinking that that's actually something that we could be bringing back. You know, we're, we all text or we send emails, but something I'm going to try and do this, you know, this Advent is, is to actually sit down and get some really nice writing paper and handwrite some letters of encouragement, you know, to people that, you know, people that I love, people that are my friends, people that, you know, I've maybe not heard from for a while, but, you know, feel that because there's something really beautiful in getting a letter, you know, 
and just getting that encouragement. And I think because it's so rare now, I think it could, you know, it could really be meaningful, mm-hmm. you know, at this time. And and I'm thinking that that is something that, you know, we can, you know, sharpen up somebody's, in, you know, spirits. You know, it's like raising up their spirits with these, you know, words of encouragement. And it takes time, but then that's the sacrifice, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. sitting down and making that time to actually, you know, well, let's let's give give encouragement here and show our love, and then it might encourage somebody. You know, whoever receives it might be like, "Oh well, I'll, I'll do this too. This is lovely," yeah. mm-hmm. and then they can keep a hold of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's uh, I because I, I love these you know historical programs where you know people are going through old letters and all that, and you just get so much. So, so yes, that's that's my thing. On that one. one day in the future, that's a lovely the, idea. The letter of the of of Saint Saint Laura. <laughs> <laughs> the letters of Saint Laura. Oh yes, have you got one? <laughs> this fragment here. Yes. <laughs> you can just make out. <laughs> I think it's uh what is it? I'm not No, that's lovely, Laura. It's such a beautiful idea. And it's I think idea. what was nice as well when you said about, you know, that that might make someone write to someone else is that sense. I remember reading, I think it's Lewis Hyde, the book about the gift. Um, and the idea of gift economies you know, on a, like an anthropological level, that part of what makes like gifts work and like help hold like communities together is that it's not like one A to B, A to B. So if you write someone a nice letter, they probably won't just immediately write you a nice letter back, but they might think, oh, write someone else a nice letter. And like, that's often how gifts work, you know, and it gets us out of that kind of zero sum dog eat dog kind of world yeah. that we so often live in where yeah. we're argy But when you just do something nice, not expecting anything in return, it does give people a bit of capital to be nice themselves. Do you know, it's also you also end up with a big network of, of encouragement. So, mm. so we, we, Laura Arbin and myself were all involved in a big conference down in, in the Premier Digital Conference on Saturday, um, and it's really interesting that we had a whole team of people working on all the rooms, the breakout rooms, about ten of them working their socks off trying to get everything and manage, you know, corral Zoom to do what it needed to do and corral the speakers and speakers didn't turn up and blah blah blah. blah. But, and they eventually did, did all turn up. But but then speakers started um, putting things in chat about the speaker, about the team. And the team would then share that in a kind of um, premier digital staff team that we had. And people started liking that. But then that kind of urged other people within the team to do even more acts of kindness. So the speakers are really kind of geared up. And then that came back in praise as well, in encouragement. And so you ended up with this kind of gift economy going on. Um, where, you know, one person being praised was the whole peep team being praised. Therefore, the team began to act in different ways. And therefore, they, more encouragement came in. And this kind of, it just grew and grew and grew. It's wonderful. Mm. Yeah. I, I, so talking about letters of encouragement, eh, I believe that, Ian, you've been writing a letter to God about some things. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I, yeah. I know. I, I have, actually. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm in the middle of finishing off this the album of mine and um i was I, I wrote a song that started off as a letter to an old friend and um i realized that i wasn't i wasn't really writing about that relationship at all um i was writing about a kind of faith relationship um and a faith in god relationship and 
I, I ended up it's nearly finished now writing this song uh, you know hey god I've been writing to reach you but I don't know how and it's all about how our relationship with God changes over time and it's this guy who he's not me well he is kind of me but he's kind of not me as well he's writing back to the way he remembers his relationship with God and how important that was and how for him it was physical and it was together and it was really really close and and he yearns for that again but his life has moved on and in his mind because his life has moved on he feels god's life has moved on of course that's nonsense and god's life hasn't moved on at all um but it was that was the conceit of the song the conceit of the song was to write a very deeply personal song about um writing to reach someone but it's really not writing to reach someone at all when you write to reach someone you're writing to reach for the memory of yourself when you knew that person um and anyway that's a very complicated way of actually what is quite a simple song um about about really just writing to god and if i could just finish by saying one thing the whole point of writing a song about writing was the physicality of writing. So if James or Laura or Pete or Albert or whoever wrote me a handwritten letter, then I would know when I read that letter that their hand had physically touched that paper. And in the digital economy, in the in the digital world that we live in, we can type things or dictate things so quickly and they're so disposable, um, they almost don't last and they don't carry the gravitas of the spelling mistake or the crossed out word <laughs> or the point where your pen slipped or even that bit in the paper where your tears fell and smudged the ink. None of that stuff happens on, on email. It just doesn't. And, and uh, in an air world, there's such a sanitization of that kind of communication and that was one of the reasons I wrote the song in the first place I just thought I thought of myself writing a letter to to a friend and then I realized it wasn't about that at all it was about writing a letter to myself and my relationship with God the father and just how you know I could see myself changed um, and I was looking for that new relationship. Um, but that was the conceit of the song, you know. I mean, songs are songs. They mean what they mean to other people. Uh, and they mean what they mean to me. And, it, you know, when, when other people hear it, and I will play it in the book, um, you know, it will mean what it means to you. And that's great. You know, just, mm-hmm. it's yours. It's not It's not mine. When a song's written, it's no longer mine. Um, but I'd, I would just take it back to that physicality of it. Because there is a tremendous and beautiful physicality of that. And we can't currently hug each other in the way that we want to. Uh, or sing with each other. Or put an arm on somebody else's arm. Or, you know, just sing beside them. And just with absolute gusto. We can't do that just now. But you know what we can do? We can put pen to paper. Or we can make them something with our own hands. And that means more than anything. Really does, doesn't it? That's lovely. Just what you've been saying, Laura, bringing that in and Ian's contribution there. Just what we can bring 
to people, uh, even when we're not when we're distant, we can the letter becomes alive in people's lives. Yeah. So Ian, are you gonna are you gonna give us a wee bit of this song? Are you gonna? Um, it, I I <clears throat> I will definitely play it for you. Um, not this week. Um, sorry, uh, it's a bit. Ah, of... you're just you're just setting the ground. You're well, setting the ground. Actually, it'd be better even if you record a wee bit of it, Ian, and sit, sit and play the recording one of these days because it will sound better over Zoom. Because when you play yeah. sometimes on Zoom, it, it... I will do what you suggest. I'll do a live version of it. Just properly live no no effects or anything like that i'll just play it as the song's written um and i'll send it to ray and ray can do what ray does to make it the video and the words sync up and all that um you know and I'll, i will do that because but it's not just done yet james do you know what i mean it's it it's still it's, yours at the moment you haven't uh, given it to us yet exactly. <laughs> it's done. I, I i know what i'm saying in it but there's just a couple of words here and there and a couple of ways that i want to play it that is going to to my mind bring it what i what i'm feeling at the moment it feels like just me doing me but that's not the song the song is it's kind of not me, but it is me. And uh, anyway, you're going to hear it in a couple of weeks. Anyway. So um, you can you can decide what you think about it at that point. You're keeping us keeping us wanting more. Exactly. This is what they call in the business a trail. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah. And that shut everybody up. No. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody's uh, thinking this is going to be some heavy metal masterpiece. <laughs> I, I expect it. I expect it. Um, uh, but we we really enjoyed your week, Pete. And uh, I wonder if anybody else has has anything um, on any of the days maybe that we've not talked about so far. Any of the other? Um, yeah, posts? I thought this one you talked about today, but about digging the hole. Mm. And uh, about, yeah, that, I thought that, that was very that... interesting. How you challenged us to to think about that parable in a completely different way, which is interesting because we were discussing it in our Connect group on Tuesday. And um, Lorna, uh, who is one of our group, she, she, was, she, she is a manager in, 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 in a situation and she could see, the, she could actually identify with the, the complaints of the, you know, of, of the, the servant who, who who buried the it was quite interesting, you know, and how you picked up on that as well, Pete. I don't know if you want to say anything about that. Um muted. Uh, there was um this came up a few years ago about the difficulties of this parable because you kind of immediately come kind of say, well the master must be God. Um and then you kind of think, well actually it just doesn't make sense if it's God. Because cause God doesn't act like this. And, you know, you can get people kind of turning this around and say, oh, this is this must be God. Therefore, I'm going to go through this and have a rhetorical flourish and show how God does act like this. OK, and we make God out to be this kind of mean git who kind of, you know, decides that, you know, somebody who's acted with justice is, is going to be turned around um, and, you know, punished for that. Um, and then they get this kind of thing at the, the end for all all those who have more will be given and they will have it in abundance from the, those that have nothing even that will be taken away that is not god speaking 
you know that is god does not do that god does, god does not give more to the to the wealthy and and takes away from the poor even that which they have i passionately believe that's not god therefore the master cannot be god there must be something else happening here social social um conversation here about what things are all about and that must mean that the worthless slave is actually the one who's representing god's speech here there's a kind of twist around it's the slave who is exampling god and calling out the master rather than the master being god and calling out the the worthless slave it's not about this worthless slave it's about actually justice and and and, and campaigning and yeah the truth sayer um here um that this worthless slave is he's the whistleblower yeah in all of this and 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 i've always kind of now kind of see this as being that that's the whole point um yeah the, the point of a mashal or a parable is that you're you kind of sat there thinking what did he just say yeah the, the whole point is supposed to have a kick in the tail yeah you kind of listen to this nice story that kind of rambles on kind of thing and then at the end of it you look at one another and say uh-huh. what's going on and the, you know the pharisees the um the, the disciples came to jesus in matthew mark maybe and said we don't understand what you're on about here jesus you know not in this parable another one but 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 kind of the parables aren't necessarily simple teaching they're supposed to be stories that you puzzle over that you know when you're taking the food out of your teeth at night after the meal you kind of think so uh, jesus um what did you mean <laughs> You know, everyone's kind of, everyone's been talking about this parable all day. We don't understand a word of what you're on about. How could the, how could the master teach, teach the slave that way? Yeah. And it's that moment where Jesus can come in and say, well, what do you think, guys? You know, how would you interpret this story? Where do you think God is in this story? Um, Where do you think the kingdom is in this story? Uh, And and it is one of those moments where, where the, the wrongness opens up the conversation whereas if this is right in you know it's the master is god if we read it that way that closes down the conversation it's the same way that that parable where jesus tells a story about the prayer uh, god is not a uh, god will listen god does hear you god's not going to not hear you and he's yeah, not yeah. going to give you the wrong thing yeah, the widow and the judge and everything like that, yeah. yeah? Um, where she just kind of continues going and everything. You think, oh, the judge must be God. But actually, you know, it's it's the woman, you know, and the, the sense of the persistence um, is absolutely crucial. Um, and then, you know, he's not going to give you, uh, he asks for um, the bread isn't going to give you a snake or whatever it is. Yeah, uh-huh. that one. Yeah, that one, yeah. It's late, it's late at night. <laughs> <laughs> Snakes, bread, whatever. <laughs> I think there's another, I mean, I've, I've, read it in in the you know many different ways i mean the the first time i read it i thought it was about you know if god's given you you know a heart and and an ability to do things and for goodness sake do it because you were created to be that person that guy that woman um so at first i saw it like that and then i read pete's thing and i thought yeah i can kind of see it like that and then do you know what the other thing came to me was that in some respects, there's that kind of bit of jealousy as well. If you're a third party looking into that, you know, and, and, and looking at somebody who has all this and, 
you know, and and thinking, yeah, you know, God's saying you you need to do that, and you you know you haven't done as much as you could do, um, and you know, I was also reading it in the sense of I thought, well, you know, maybe that's also saying about you know walking a mile in the other person's shoes as well. Do you know? Do you see what I mean from a third party's perspective onto this inverted, which which I think Pete does beautifully. This kind of like inverted, you know, mm-hmm. really God, God is not the master here. You know, God's not the the bad master. Um, but it's also that whole thing. People look at other folk and think, oh, do you know, look at what look at what they've got. Yeah, that's amazing. And do you know what I mean? And I, I think to me the parable also speaks to the to the wrong headedness of that. Um, so yeah, I, I, I actually really enjoyed this today because I really didn't think this was not what I expected to receive in my inbox. <laughs> I think, but I think there's, there is a problem about reading this from a capitalist standpoint and kind of reading capitalism all the way through it. The wealth creation, it seems, is the big thing. And that, that this guy is clearly goes against all the capitalist models of wealth creation, just buries the money. Okay, he's an absolute idiot. He doesn't know Martin Lewis at all. You know, he he doesn't know looking after money properly. He doesn't know how to kind of even save it. He just, you know, he doesn't even leave it under his mattress. You know, he buries it in the field. What an idiot. Um, And so we can kind of, we can destroy this guy. We can take him down because he doesn't follow the kind of accepted ideology of the day. Um, And and, and I just kind of, in, in this world, especially today, where, where, you know, capitalism seems to be the norm. It seems to be the way that we do everything, you know, Um, even throwing money like crazy about COVID and stuff like that and all of the stuff that's going about the contracts and everything like that and the hundred billion pound moonshot that's going on about this testing and everything. Um, And I just think in in, in this kind of a world, we need a parable which turns around and says capitalism isn't the only way. Um, that there are other ways of thinking through God's ways, and and we need to do it. You know, the, the whole kind of Trumpism that's going on, mm-hmm. and and the kind of denigration of socialism and everything. That there has to be a different way of reading the Bible that doesn't simply suck up to capitalism and say, you know, we're all signed on neoliberal economists. Do you but know, that, you, you, that, want, you should read you should read the Church of Scotland report, which was. Um, put out in 2012 called The Purpose of Economy. It's put together by uh, Professor Munn. Uh, and um, it's very interesting because he 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 gets us, he, he really begins to ask us to think, what is the purpose of economy? Why are we, why are we, why do we need economy? And what is its purpose for? And, mm-hmm. and it has to be at some point about people first before profit. Yeah. It's not this, this whole thing. So to get very political, we 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 were talking today about the you know these defence spending that Boris has suggested, you know, and then also we come on to then saying that it looks like um, all the public workers are not going to receive their pay any pay rise and we pay freeze, and then yeah, there's this Twitter hashtag going around. Can we not clap the soldiers and give the money to the to the um, public workers, you know? I mean, um, can, can can we look after the people rather than? create yet more um technology that's going to go wrong but but actually though isn't it about the fact that the the guy buries the talents because what do talents actually mean in terms of the money 
What does money actually mean? I mean, actually, what really is money, Mm -hmm. if you think about it? In fact, all it is is a mathematical calculation of what mathematically goes into a fictitious bank account that then gets dispersed amongst other people. You know, if you really looked at it, I saw a very interesting thing Mm -hmm. once, and it was uh, a video. It was sent to me by a a pal of mine who... um, is another doctor and he says, look, Ian, you want to look at this? And it was a video for North Korea about the West. It was really interesting because their view of all the stuff that we think's great guns, you know, the um, billboard ad- advertising and, you know, half-naked women and men trying to sell you cars or cigarettes or or lampshades or listen man you just name it it'll be sold and all the ways that causes dopamine release in our head and this video basically said look what is actually this all about really is this is this what we're all about are we really all about this and it goes back to the written letter yeah because email's cheap and time is expensive and interactions between people mean something and interactions from afar i think we need to do them but at the same time do you know that so when i read this i'm thinking this guy's thinking do you know capitalism money talents all of this matters nothing yeah yeah get, get you, but just we need to remember that the talent the idea of this is a talent is a gift isn't isn't known in in the english language until the 13th century okay and it's because people started um, interpreting this parable um, away from the money, okay, into talents and gifts. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's how talent comes into our language in, in that kind of way. Prior to that, it was always a unit of money. Okay, and so in Jesus' time, when he's telling this, it's actually bags of gold. It's bags of weighed out bags of gold that are being handed out here. It's actually real money that's being put into places. And I think we kind of we blur that massively now because of when we see the parable of the talents, we think it's the parable of our gifts. Yeah. And that's a lot easier to kind of play around with when you, when you push it back to money, you know, money is actually the biggest problem here. Um, and, and what you do with your money and, and do you wealth create as lots of people in uh, Palestine at the time Jesus wanted to do, or, or do you say, actually there, there has to be a justice, just use of money. And, and, and that's, you know, what we we're talking about earlier about what is, what is the real economy and so on. Yeah, sorry, I'm a bit passionate about this one. Well, no, <laughs> but but but, but it, it it lends itself to that truth that money has a spiritual dimension to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I, the root of all evil, or the oh, love of money. Well, well, well remember Jesus said the same thing, Paul. In Ian, I'm just saying that that quote from Jesus. What does it profit a man if he gain the whole world, he loses his soul? And I'm tempted to be really get, getting that, that interpretation you've been giving, Pete, on this, because it also links into the other story that Jesus said, what about the man, because it's the same story, the man who builds the barns in order to store all his wealth, in order to store all his bags of gold. Mm-hmm. And then, but tonight your soul will be required of you. Mm-hmm. And then Jesus said, so what does it profit a man if he gained the whole world? And he loses himself. 
you know, and I think maybe that's one of the areas we need to maybe just be rifting on tonight before we go, but, but we'll not just close exactly now at, at 10 o'clock, but we could maybe just rift on that. Well, what does it mean to lose yourself well, and to find yourself? I'd like to say something about that. Do you know, I know in my life some very, very, very rich people, right? They're very rich people. And I also know people who come to the end of their time on planet Earth, you know, who are going to move on. And I also speak to people who lose people um, or who would spend every single penny they had to have somebody in their life for an extra couple of weeks or an extra day. And when it comes down to that granularity, you start to understand what, what actually does money mean. Do you know what I mean? Um, somebody with modest means will spend thousands upon thousands of pounds to make sure that their dog's all right when their insurance can't cover what's happened to it. Because love trumps money every single time. And human interaction and human relationships trump money every single time. And I could trot out the old adages of there are no pockets in a shroud and here's the news there aren't. And you can't take it with you when you go. And do you know what? Here's another bit of news. You canny. It's all ephemeral. The whole thing is ephemeral. It is a made-up construct in a lot of ways, um, which gives you some sense of value and some sense of trying to make what you think of is as a nice life. But the truth of it is that we're sold what a nice life is. We are told by the media, we're told by the radio, I'm getting on my high horse a bit here, Peter, I apologise. Um, <laughs> we're, we're informed, like, this is what a nice life is, right? Do you know what, Dr. J, a nice life is this. A nice life is having a nice car. A nice life is having a really nice guitar. I mean, in the in the case of guitars, that might actually be true. But anyway, in the case of cars, <laughs> um, but do you know what I mean? We're sold what it, but we're sold a bag of lies. That is not what makes a nice life. What makes a nice life is the ability to, you know, lay down beside somebody that you truly and deeply love and trust with all your heart. Or is to look at your kids doing well. Or to have the conversation with a really good friend that turns your day around or hear their laughter or them hear your laughter. See that stuff? You can't buy that. You can't put a price in that. And you could be the richest guy in the world and never have that. So that's why I would say the whole thing's just a massive Ponzi scheme. That's so what does Jesus say? What does it profit a man if he gained the whole world and lose his soul? Then he goes on to say, lay up for yourself what? Treasure in heaven. So how do you lay up the treasure in heaven? You know, and I think it's about building these relationships. We, it's back to my, it's back to what we talked about earlier on, this Christmas tree, this Christmas tree, roots in eternity and fruits in the present. You uh, really are made for, eterni for eternity when we're when we believe and when the when we've been baptized and we know what this new Christ, this new life that we've been given, this new way to live, it's 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 
We're going to be talking about this. James is going to be talking. About, we're going to be talking about this in January, isn't that right, James? This new we life. Are. We this are. New, this new identity that we have as Christians, it, it changes everything. You know, uh, you're not free, by the way. Nobody, <laughs> people say you can choose. You can't choose because, what is it? What is it? C.S. Lewis was saying when one of the things that was bugging him about believing in God was he didn't choose to be born. And he wanted to be free, but he couldn't. Be, and that's the one thing that bugged him. He, he knew he wasn't free because he had never chosen to be born. <laughs> you know, and, and this idea that we, we need, we're longing to be free. How can we be free? And we want to talk about something of that freedom that comes from knowing Jesus. He says, if I will make you free, you will be free indeed. And that's when we start uncovering the truth. Which is another one we could talk about. What is truth? But Albert, this is not rocket surgery, right? Get your eyes off of stuff and put your eyes on the cross. That's all you need to do. Really not rocket surgery here, guys. It's very, very simple. And once you start getting these very simple precepts in mind, then maybe you can find the the mysteries of faith through theology and through exploration. But do you know what? Just get... What we sometimes need to do is get our eyes off all the stuff and look at what's real. And stop messing about. There you go. Something for a song you take your eyes, take your eyes off the stuff. <laughs> put your hand on the cross. Put your life and on the cross. And stop messing about and stop oh, messing. About. We could write a song together tonight. <laughs> I know, well, see what I've been thinking about is is like seeing all these people going out to, you know, rush out to do Christmas shopping, right? Before we went into lockdown. And I know that people are, you know, feeling disheartened and things like that at this time. But there's also so many people, like, out there who are going to be really struggling and wondering how they're going to buy, you know, just wee things. Or they're they're thinking about how they're going to, like, pay their rent, you know. They're not thinking about, you know, all the the big hoo-ha. And that's where I would like, you know leadership you know in the country to be saying you know let's let's just kind of you know let's think about all let's think about everybody that's it let's stop thinking about getting stuff and just about you know our you know our fellow humans that are sharing this world with us and this country with us and just give them a wee bit of an easier time right now Write a letter. Write a letter to Nicola and tell her she's doing all right. <laughs> listen, listen, man. Do you know what? Ask yourself: What would people actually prefer? Right? Would 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 my old man and my and and my mum prefer um, a really nice lavish like coffee maker or a, or a new fridge freezer, whatever, for me? Or would they like me to pop round with the dog and say, Do "You know what, guys." Thanks so much for bringing me up. I really love you. I love you both so much, and my life wouldn't be the same without you. What do you think they would prefer? Uh-huh. What do you think they'd prefer? Because I'll tell you what, they would much prefer just what I've said there. Yeah, because absolutely. that's true, and that's real. And we maybe need to start getting real with people, particularly right about now, where there isn't the opportunity to buy stuff. 
You can't go and buy a new iPhone. Believe me, I've tried. I've tried really hard. The whole week has been spent trying to buy a new iPhone. But we're buying the new iPhone. So just, well, there you go. Forget about the new iPhone and put some donation at the sanctuary first. <laughs> because that's, they're talking about money. If you want to lay up treasure in heaven, put a wee, bit, a wee donation into sanctuary first to keep us going. Oh, but, about but, your new iPhone. I but I'll buy a new iPhone. Come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Come on. Listen, Pete, it's coming to the end. I thought we should give you the last word on, on, on tonight's show. Um, so what have you got to say to us in the light of everything you've been hearing us saying recently? I am really enjoyed really enjoy the conversation. I think this, this whole thing about saying what's of worth in the end is, is a really good thing to talk about during lockdown. Um, because kind of return of we've been, society's been stopped. The 20, 21st century's been stopped. And we've had to go back to the very basics of our lives. Uh, and, and in that, what is important to us? Um, we really need to kind of use this time to kind of reflect on that and say, you know, yeah, it is the relationships. Yes, it is the, the connection. Yeah, it is God's mercy. Um, it is the cross. Um, it is to fix our eyes upon Jesus. Um, because in the end, that's the thing that's going to carry us through rather than all the trappings that you could possibly have. Yeah, even iPhones. Even iPhones. Listen, guys, thank you so much for being with us tonight. This has been a really interesting conversation, but it's taking us back to the cross, back to getting rid of the stuff and focusing on the cross, which is the intersection between the divine and the ordinary. Back to a phrase that James had used recently which brings our James Cathcart is used, not James from the Bible. <laughs> but it, it Two is, sides of the same coin, Albert. Yeah, the cross is that intersection. <laughs> <in> line, man. <laughs> between the divine and the ordinary, God coming among us. And um, maybe somebody's listening into this and you're not quite sure about all this. Maybe it's just starting off with allowing some of this stuff that's warmed your heart tonight to take you a little step further forward to know how much you're loved by God. And that's the beginning of beginning to go on a journey that will be a journey of faith for the rest of your life. But thank you all so much for being part of tonight. Thank you, Pete, for joining us and sharing with us. And to you, James, for being with us and Laura and Ian as well. Thank you for being with us tonight. It's just such a privilege. I look forward to these Friday evenings because I know there's always going to be just something that just lifts your heart. And at the end, it always comes at the end where we just get something to, to lift us and to sustain us and to strengthen us. Laura, something for Sunday. Have you got something to remind us about Sunday? Um, it's, well, we've, we go live at 6.30 and we are thinking, again, we're thinking about this how we how we raise each other up, how we encourage each other um, at this time. Um, the service is called um, Seeking the Lost and Binding the Injured. Um, but it's maybe the title sounds a wee bit melancholy, but it'll be it'll be very uplifting because it's about you know we're looking at readings from Ephesians, and so you know it'll be it'll be really uplifting. Great. And uh, we've been working, can I just say, I mean, we're getting closer and closer to this app. The app is now out getting tested by various people. So we're hoping 
that yeah, we will have an app that's going to be released certainly for the beginning of of um, Advent. So I think that's going to be just amazing. And uh, so that's something to look forward to again coming out. Something and it was it's a you can download it for free, so it's not going to be a chargeable thing. It's a free gift to you uh, coming up for Advent. But anyway, folks, thank you again for listening in tonight. Reminding you, Sunday service, 6.30, and uh, then next Friday night's weekly reviews on. Remember, Jim Jim Steele's uh, jam sessions continue to be on. Well worth listening to. And if you haven't been over looking at our website, get over to the website and have a look because there's lots of really interesting material there being posted regularly. So until next week, have a good weekend. <laughs>